Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. One, two, three, break! Down the middle of the field, it is caught! Loose football! Who's got it? Line. How about that? That is the ultimate kibosh. <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I am Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. We are coming to you with another podcast on the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. It is week five, so we are nearing the midway point in the season. And with me is our resident Alliance expert, Ian Harditz, the director of the Fantasy Labs NFL platform and an action network analyst. And also joining us to break down the Alliance in this weekend's action is Cynthia Freeland, an NFL network analytics expert, a data scientist, and a co-host of the Game Theory and Money podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to uh, during the NFL season. And also for the NFL Network, she is covering the Alliance and has quickly become a great source of information and insight for the new league. Uh, Cynthia, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, we got a good look going here. Um, we're coming to you from Hermosa Beach where it's raining. So California people, even ones who are originally from the Midwest, we don't know what to do. So we just put the hats on and hibernate inside. Yeah. It's a little bit of rain. <laughs> right. uh, well, that is exactly what is happening uh, with Ian and with me too. So uh, we're all in this together. Ian, how is it going with you? Ready to talk some Alliance? We're still in the middle of the winter and there's still football on every weekend. I love it, man. I still haven't had to go over the dark side that they call basketball. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still very much in the AF game. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, kind of looking ahead uh, for NFL. I mean, we have free agency next week. The draft isn't really all that far away. So uh, a lot of different aspects of football to enjoy at this time of the year, uh, which is a very nice thing. Cynthia, let's get into it. You release power rankings for the Alliance. Uh, and you have, you know, this math background with which you have a very analytical perspective on these teams. And now that we have four weeks worth of data, it's not as if that really is all that much, but it's maybe close to enough to get some sort of sense of how these teams stack up against each other. Uh, I'm curious if you have some thoughts on how you go about creating power rankings for a league that is only four weeks old, and then what those power rankings are. Well, the good thing is that most of these coaches have pretty well-defined histories. So you can see, you know, like what's Singletary going to do? Is he executing kind of a Singletary-style offense or defense, more, more appropriately defense, and is it kind of working? The one place I've been a little surprised with are the mandatory two-point conversions. I thought that coaches would like be just bananas and like throw us like a whole bunch of different 
what I'm going to call like exotic looks, right? But instead you're getting more kind of traditional things and not as, I think that we'll start to see that get more creative, but I think, you know, initially and adjusting to the rules and the 35 second play clock and, you know, like the, all the different things that are a little bit different, like a little bit faster pace, keep the pace up have made for, it's, it's just been a lot, right? Like I thought instead of like between 65 and 70 snaps, I thought we'd see more like, you know, the NFL is like between 60 and 65. I thought a lot of people are like 65 and 70, like it's up more towards 80 for most teams. So it's an interesting pace and keeping that pace up has been fascinating. Like you don't like basketball, Ian, but pace is, pace is a good one when you're projecting this football league. So ultimately what you're doing is you're looking at the past trends of the coaches and you're looking at you know, kind of who are these players? Some are known entities. And now we're starting to see trends. We kind of have a little bit of a profile of who certain players are. And luckily, like Garrett Gilbert, we did know him from the NFL. So we do have some information. You're not starting completely blind, but like, you know, like 80% blind. (laughs) Yeah. So give us a sense of your power rankings and how they might differ than just looking at win-loss record and just saying like, okay, the the Orlando Apollos are the top team in the league. And after that, you maybe have the Birmingham Iron. Uh, What are your power rankings? So ultimately I look to see like, you know, everything from like, like I actually spent a lot of time sitting with, we, we sit in a studio, it's in, it's in Phoenix, you know, I'm I'm taking you behind the scenes here. It's a green screen. So we're not at the games. (laughs) Um, And we sit there for several hours and just watch it and go on for like three, four minutes. So I sat with not only like, I got to sit with like Polian and I got to sit with, you know, a lot of people who were, had a huge hand in developing these leagues. So going to talk to those people and asking them like what attributes are coaches valuing? Like that was very helpful in constructing a model that really sees who reflects the strategy they're trying to enact or not. So we knew initially that deep passing, the ability to complete deep passes was going to be one of, if not the most important factors. And then there's normal football things, right? Like, you know, obviously big plays in general matter, but turnovers, red zone, third down, all these things that make it more interesting. But we knew at least in the beginning, because of the rules and all the way that it's working, that if you can complete deep passes, you have a much better chance of winning. And that's played out. So like, it's really just asking the people involved in creating it and using that sort of insider perspective to shape a model that really just measures how well someone's executing their game plan versus what they intended to do. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look at some of the the rush offenses and pass offenses, pass defense, rush defense. Who do you think right now are the, the top teams in rush offense? So rushing is interesting because like Salt Lake starting to come on. People are, these are starting to develop. Like Orlando, you don't know who it's going to be. It's, it's yeah. always a confusing. And then Birmingham, it's like, you know, Trent Richardson kind of is being the Trent Richardson we're used to seeing from the NFL, low yard per carry average, high red zone usage. So if you're playing him in fantasy, he's always going to be a good option. And then you're kind of seeing some things like the hot shots. They're finding their legs because a lot of times it's really about who they're playing, the matchup more than it is about the specific players in this one. So that's why, like Presley, great. Like you just, you have to map it. Like I really like Sherman Beatty for the Memphis Express. Like he's an interesting player in general, maybe not the sexiest fantasy option, but he is a... He's one of those who are like, okay, I'm interested to see how he's growing and developing every week, especially after the quarterback switch. So he was not like the, you know, like you obviously use Zach Stacy before, and now you're kind of seeing more increased usage from him. Mm-hmm. So uh, rushing is not my fit. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a tricky one. This one, it's like, are you playing for fantasy purposes? Because then you're going to like straight red zone, like just yeah. straight red zone usage. Yeah. Thoughts on the different passing offenses that we see? Obviously, everyone really likes Orlando. Steve Spurrier as, as their head coach, there's a lot of uh, run and gun there. But thoughts on the passing that we are seeing in the pass offenses that are catching your eye? 
Yeah. I mean, look, obviously when you have a quarterback change, that's going to mess things up. So like the hot shots are at a disadvantage because they've had some quarterback injuries. You know, you've seen, that's what happens everywhere. And Garrett Gilbert, obviously that's Orlando in case, you know, we're educating people on this one. Garrett Gilbert started week 17 for the Panthers. His ability to connect with Charles Johnson or any of his receivers, but specifically Charles Johnson is special. And it's the most NFL like that we see, but like every quarterback is getting better. Birmingham's quarterback is getting better. Arizona, obviously they've had some injuries, but their situation's getting better. The fleet, they're getting better. They're improving. It's just look to see if they improve. Basically, here's what it is. Can they complete at least three, like 20 plus passes in a game? If yes, then they're getting better, right? Can they use play action? If yes, then you're golden, right? Because the ability to use play action in this league is enormously helpful. And two, make sure you're not dealing with a team who's doing any delayed draws. Delayed draws have been the killer for this league as well. So those are kind of my three like, ways to look at it. Like Luis Perez is getting better every week, right? He's starting to understand play action and execute it. I think this week he'll even get better, even though, you know, like, look, like they had a rough week last week, but I think it'll keep getting better. Yeah, I was so high on Luis Perez to start the season. I hope he gets going. I mean, he's, he hasn't had a passing touchdown yet, but he's thrown it in the end zone of two-point conversion. So I will give him a little bit of slack there. It's, it's tough when T. Rich is just getting the ball every time with the one-yard line. But uh, you mentioned before how much this – a lot of it's matchup-based, you know, week to week. So, like, how much uh, evidence, you know, like four-week sample size would you put into, like, a really bad run defense like San Antonio when trying to project who's going to be the best fantasy running backs for next week? So – it's interesting because a lot of it has to do with like linebacker play. So I've noticed what I, cause like one week San Antonio looks like it's the worst pass defense. The next week it looks like it's the worst run defense. So it's kind of like, like look to see if they're playing zone versus man. And I've just been looking to see like, all right, like the way I break it down is like, have they been able to execute man? If yes, then they're not going to do a good, then, then it's going to be a rough day for the, like, I think the Orlando Apollos this week, I think they get their first loss. My hot take here, the undefeated <laughs> Orlando Apollos, but they're playing Birmingham. Birmingham's pass defense is the best. It's the best pass defense in, and it's the most consistent as well. So those two attributes together are good. You've seen Birmingham be susceptible to deep run plays. Okay. Well, if you're taking care of the pass against the Orlando Apollos, like you're going to be in good shape. So that's why I would downgrade all, you know, like I love Charles Johnson. He's one of my favorite players in the entire league, but it's, it's, it's not a love thing. It's a fantasy thing. Right. So that's how I would, I would view that. And then like the linebacker play is, it's very interesting, right? Like these are the positions that get better slower. Think about like, you know, linebackers are quarterbacks on defense. So the quarterbacks on defense are going to get better each game. If they haven't seen a lot of passes, then they're, it's going to take them a minute to figure out how their coverages work. If they haven't seen a lot of runs, then it's going to take them a minute to figure out how their coverages work. So it's a volume times man versus zone. I mean, I think you mentioned already Birmingham's pretty much been the premier pass defense so far. I mean, I'm watching Jamar Summers run press man all game. It's great. He's locking down yeah. everyone, making plays. If you can play man, like if you, it's deep passing and ability to execute coverage, like man mm-hmm. defense, then that's how you win games. You know, like that's, that's oh, it. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, just, just handcuffing the opposing quarterbacks at that point. You can yep. put extra resources to the box. Are there any other pass defenses, though, that kind of stand out to you other than Birmingham? I know Orlando, uh, Keith Reeser, Marquez White. They got some uh, ballers over there as well, and Arizona's got some pretty good uh, numbers as well. Yeah, I think Terrence Garvin being out for Orlando is uh, a problem. So Terrence Garvin went to West Virginia, and he was a safety, I believe, there. He was definitely a defensive back. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he was a safety. Converted to linebacker ahead of going to the NFL. Until last week, he was leading the league in interceptions. And I got a chance to ask Rod Woodson. Again, we're sitting in this, like, small room all day. So I'm like, Rod, 
teach me something, teach me anything. So, you know, we sit there and we, we talk about how that conversion works and he had the most interceptions. He's a really big key to that entire defense. So Orlando's passing is their defense as a whole, like very much, you know, Terrence Garvin centered. So he's, he's an interesting one. Um, and then Arizona as well. The, the problem with Arizona is if they get down and teams are throwing like obvious throw, like passing situations, they're not as good in those. Right. So that's where I get a little bit shaky on that because they allow the deep passes when they're down, which is when you can't, or when they're up and you know what I mean? Like when it's extreme scores, they allow deep passes. So that's my, like when they're close scores, they're better. I I have no idea why, but that's their trend. (laughs) I can't tell you why I can tell you that it is, or it has been for four weeks. I hear. I have one last question on these pass yeah. defenses because it's always kind of a you know the cornerbacks the reason or is it pass rush the reason? I don't know from yeah. watching them. I think San Diego has kind of emerged in my opinion as one of the best uh, pass rushes, especially totally. when, especially as long as Demonte Moore is out there and healthy. But any other defenses that you've just been impressed at how often they can get to the quarterback? So Connor Schultz for the Salt Lake Stallions, he's an impressive, an impressive guy. He Northern Iowa product. He. Uh, he's interesting for me because they've been chipping him. Like they've been taking, bringing tight ends in to try to stop him. And he's still been getting good pressure, the quarterback. So it, he's, he's been impressive. Like, I think Salt Lake is like low key underrated, you know, like they're better than they might, they might seem. They were tied for first place in the West. I mean, these are ridiculous things to say after three weeks, but <laughs> again, like the, again, it's my life. So I can't think yeah. it's ridiculous, right? Like I spent time doing it. I might as well like it. <laughs> so. All right. So Cynthia, you probably spend as much time watching alliance football as anyone else are there a couple of players that you've seen and thought you know that that person has a shot at the nfl this next season or that person really should be in the nfl so i got a chance at the i was at the combine last week so i got a chance to talk to some like gms and coaches and i said like who do i like they asked me that exact question and then they asked me like you know, why? So, and I said, you know, look, the profile I think that will fit the easiest sell to the NFL are these guys who maybe they're, they're, they went to a smaller school. Charles Johnson's a good example. He ended up graduating from Grand Valley State University and that's in, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's nowhere, you know, big. And he had a shot in the NFL. You got to be the right age. So the, the profile's like young enough, like being able to compete at the level that the, the team believes. And then a small school that, cause like Trent Richardson, it's, it's a lot harder for a team. They already kind of know what they're getting with him. So they either wanted him or not. Right. Like that, that was kind of, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from him cause he's had a great season, but he's a little like less of the profile. So like the Sherman Beatty's, who's actually also on the iron, the Birmingham iron, the Charles Johnson's, you know, the, the Connor Schultz, the guys who are smaller schools, young enough to still have a lot of tread on the tires, or at least for teams to feel comfortable with the risk that they'd be taking from a player who's, you know, like there's a lot of good free agents out there. There's a lot of people in the draft. So if you're going to kind of sell your team on an AAF player, they have to be the right profile. So I think guys like that, I think the center for the iron could be a good one too. If these O linemen develop, I think they have a huge advantage in terms of translating to the NFL because there's a huge shortage. I know you know all about that, like huge shortage of like really good, like O-line play, pass protections, not something everybody knows. Like, so that could be a good use for these players too. All right. Yeah, that's interesting. And great point there on uh, offensive linemen. So many times people think about skill position players, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a, a shortage of offensive linemen, but anyone who can, who can play well at the position uh, has a shot. I genuinely believe there's a shortage of people who truly play 
understand pass protection concepts because that's not, not all colleges are teaching that anymore. So that type of thing is like a huge advantage for a team Mm -hmm. who maybe doesn't have like the best O-line. Like if you already know pass pro, great. Like that's like, it's like anyone's resume, right? Like if we're, if you already have experience coding in, you know, Python, great. I don't need to teach you that even better. Like you get in it, you get a, a step ahead of people, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump into the, uh, the action for this weekend. And the first game on Saturday, the best game of the weekend, uh, we have the Orlando Apollos at the Birmingham yes. iron, the two best teams in the league. No lines have been released for this game. Uh, we're projecting the Apollos to win by four to five points. And we think the game total will be around 40 Ian, any quick injury news and notes for this game. Yeah, first off, note this game starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Been seeing a lot of 4 o'clock on Saturday. So don't miss this one, people. It's going to be a good one. Uh, quickly, Birmingham. So the receivers are banged up, but I would note that we've seen them have a lot of guys limited practice early in the week this season that have gone on to play. So Quentin Patton uh, with an ankle, LaDamian Washington with a groin, tight end West Saxon ankle. They were all limited on Wednesday, but not really expecting any of those guys to ultimately sit out. Amba Etatoual. Sorry for butchering your name, bro. But, no, he did a uh, good job. Hey, there we go. Um, but he had a knee injury. He hasn't played since week one. He's still not practicing. So I like to keep an eye on these uh, injured receivers because they seem, when they do get healthy, they come back into the lineup at a really cheap price in fantasy. Uh, Richard Mulaney is a guy we'll talk about later with that. But looking like that won't be the week for him. And then quickly for Orlando, uh, you said earlier, Cynthia, I mean, the backfield's kind of been a full-blown committee all season. But Akeem Hunt was limited with a foot injury after maybe his best game of the year. So I'll be interested to see if uh, – he ends up suiting up uh, this weekend. But Terrence Garvin, uh, obviously, you know, as you said, you know, one of the best cover linebackers in the league, he was able to get in a limited practice on Wednesday. So he does appear to be uh, trending back towards suiting up this week. All right, let's, let's get into the, uh, the matchups. And uh, Cynthia, your thoughts on this Orlando offense going against the Birmingham defense and how they match up? So this is like, this is like a bad matchup for Orlando, for sure. Orlando's great and very very reliably great in passing situations and the Birmingham iron are reliably great. Jamar Summers, especially comes to mind, like reliably great at stopping the pass. So it's strength versus strength in this one. And in this league, we've seen defense have the advantage when it's strength versus strength in our huge sample size of four whole games, but you know, each, but, but we've seen at least so far defenses have had the advantage. However, I will say if there was a quarterback that could buck that trend, it would probably be Garrett Gilbert. But again, I already told you what I, where I stand on that. I, I, I definitely think it's hard, it's hard to win on the road in this league too. So that's something to take into consideration too. Yeah. Uh, Ian, thoughts on this matchup? Strength for strength. I'm a little more inclined to trust Gilbert just because of how much better this Orlando offense I think has been than any other team in the league. I mean, the Birmingham pass defense, same thing. I mean, I felt like they – Going to last week was a really good week for them because they had that Atlanta game early. They had a Memphis game early against not really strong competition. They showed last week the secondary can still hold up, and they even you know had a, one of the longest goal line stands I think I've ever seen uh, down there for a stretch. So I think it is a strong defense, but I'm just inclined to think this Orlando offense is so much better than everyone else. I think they can at least put up points, and I don't know if I can say the same about this Birmingham offense. So, uh, Oh, man, yeah, it's tough. But last thing with this Orlando offense real quick, we mentioned Akeem Hunt's injury. Maybe – I think we'll, we should assume he, he's going to play. Uh, Dearness Johnson started the last two weeks, but he was kind of splitting time with Akeem Hunt. 
Devion Smith has kind of been the short yardage goal line guy all season. He's a little more than that, and he was definitely utilizing that snowy climate they had last week. But what are your thoughts on this backfield uh, moving forward, Cynthia? And like, which running back would you target for fantasy? Oof, this one's hard because Jonas Johnson is the one that I would volume wise. Like, I like volume that it just feels safe. But you're right; he's not really the red zone situation that they have. So if Akeem isn't playing, then Jonas Johnson to me, even though the, the red zone again, hasn't been great. But I do think in this game, you could have a deep run that goes, that busts beyond like the, you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to necessarily be like the goal line stand because the iron are really good in their red zone anyway. So they're probably going to try to get those deep passes or deep runs or like just hit the home run. They're going to try to do that. I would imagine a bit more in this one, just because of the fact that, you know, look, iron and the red zone are like, just, they're the best in the league. So Dernis Johnson's the safest one for me. I would maybe look elsewhere. I actually like, I'm telling you this game, I think it could be the Sherman Beatty sort of breakout situation. Um, if you want to be risky and that's obviously on the other side of the ball, but you know, like, look, Trent Richardson's scoring all the touchdowns. He loves scoring touchdowns. That's all he does. But I think if you want like maybe a, an interesting, an interesting trip, because the coaches told me they like, we love Beatty. We're trying to get him worked in more Beatty, Beatty, Beatty. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about the other side of the ball here. So the question is, if the defense for Birmingham is able to slow down a little bit, uh, the Orlando Apollos, is their offense still going to be able to score enough points to, to keep them in the game? What is your thought on this offense versus the Orlando defense? So the Birmingham offense. Okay. So you got, you got your Trent Richardson, right? But like you, like you have your Ladarius Perkins, his backup, you got your Quentin Patton. I think to me, it's like Trent's safe. I, I told you I like my sleeper from a different game for a running back better. So if you're not going to go Trent Richardson, then you're going to go with in the other direction. This is a low scoring game. I'm not going to target a ton of people for fantasy in this one, just because to be perfectly honest with you, I think it's going to be the lowest. I just think they're going to keep it real. Like, I think it's going to stay real low. Like, I think there's going to maybe be like, like the scores would be something like 12 to 18. I love weird scores. So we're only going to do weird ones, <laughs> but you know, like, I think that's the, I think that's the kind of cadence that you should expect in this game. Low scoring, so don't don't spend too much time overanalyzing it, right? Like I look for sleepers elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with Cynthia here. I mean, we're probably talking about the two best secondaries in the league, uh, both playing in this game. And if you can't create explosive plays, it's going to be hard to put up too many points. The Trent Richardson thing this week is interesting because he's been playing so many more snaps than anyone else that you just you got to put him in fantasy, even if he's has 50% exposure to all these lineups. But then last week we see he did play season low 58% of the snaps. I don't know. I don't really think there's exactly a changing of the guard coming on, but we did see uh, something named I'm Brand- telling you. I'm <sighs> telling you, something's up. Something's uh, there's, up. I mean, Brandon Ross outcarried him, and it was like, how many times can you watch the same running back average 2.5 yards per carry until you do something about it? So I will say, I mean, Richardson, I still have five catches. Like, he's looked really good as a receiver this year. Uh, once he gets in the open field, just been hard to come by, I think, in the middle of the box. But I'm hoping he might have a little bit of reduced ownership this week so we can uh, jump on it. But oh, it's so I tough to get behind the offenses here. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, I don't, I, I'm not going to spend too much time overanalyzing this one. Like, just because I just don't think there's going to be a ton of points here. Yeah. You know, Garrett Gilbert's the best one. He's the safest quarterback. Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, Trent Richardson, he's going to be safe. Sure. Like, but not – I don't like safe. That's not sexy. It's not fun. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> AAF so- football. It's supposed to be fun, right? <laughs> there like. <we> go. <laughs> So, Cynthia, you mentioned that uh, it's hard for teams, uh, at least so far in what we've seen, teams to win on the road. You like the Birmingham defense, so I'm assuming that means that you are uh, thinking the Iron have a real chance of winning this game. 
I think the iron pull off the upset. I think it's hard to win out all of your games like in any sport at any time. So this is the best matchup and the iron are coming off a loss. Their first loss, like kind of an unexpected one. You know, the Apollos played in the snow last week, like not saying that that really matters, but you know, it's another road situation. Like it's like, it's tricky. It's going to be, I just think this is the time where that defense just shines. Cause we saw, we saw last week, the Apollos like got the, the stallion slowed them down. So it's not like they're infallible, right? They didn't look right. like they weren't scoring like 18,000 points, right? Like they were, they kind of had to win in the fourth quarter. You know, it wasn't like a, a big blowout. All right, Ian, which way are you leaning? Yeah, I think the, I mean, our projected uh, lines, I think are pretty spot on at the moment. I, I kind of tend to take that under the total where it's going to be because uh, it does seem like a low scoring game environment. And I mean, if you have two of the best teams in the league, I, mean, I think we kind of assume they're going to be in a close uh, game. So yeah, I'm more inclined to take a chance on the total, I think, than the spread. All right. Yeah. So that seems like a potential spot to make money. Speaking of which, I want to tell you about Robinhood. By the way, I nailed that transition. Uh, Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free, while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Action Network NFL podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at action.robinhood.com. All right, let's get back to the Alliance. The second game on Saturday, the Salt Lake Stallions at the San Diego Fleet. I mean, not the most enticing game in the world, but Cynthia, as you mentioned earlier, the Salt Lake Stallions are a little bit uh, potentially undervalued relative to how they've performed record-wise so far. Ian, any injury news and notes? Yeah, a couple notes from both teams. Biggest one, San Diego starting quarterback Philip Nelson out indefinitely, fractured his clavicle. So we're going back to the Mike Bercovici show, everyone. Uh, everyone saw Mike get his helmet pretty much thrown 20 yards across the field in week one. Uh, really tough his outing for – His chin strap wasn't on. I watched that in <laughs> His chin strap wasn't on. Oh, well, quarterbacks are always doing that. They got their mouth guards hanging yeah, out. That's, yeah. that's a lesson, but – yeah, so he's going to be back out there. I think he's in a better position now, but we'll get into that more a little bit later. But good news for San Diego, at least. DeMontre Moore, uh, one of the best pass rushers in the league, as we said earlier. He was able to practice in full on Wednesday, expecting him to return. Linebacker A.J. Tarpley is still sidelined with a back injury, so it would be nice to get him back, but might not be able to this week. And on the Salt Lake side of things, Brandon Oliver seemed to kind of take over the backfield last week. Unfortunately, he got a groin injury. Wasn't able to open up the week with the practice. So we're looking at Joel Boagnon and Terrell Newby potentially forming a two-back committee. They also signed a guy named Nick Hawley. And we even got Matt Asiata waiting in the wings. So we'll see uh, how they end up forming that committee for this week. All right. So we have uh, right now uh, Salt Lake projected to win by a point or two. Uh, we have a pretty low game total of around 38 points. Uh, Cynthia, let's start by looking at the Salt Lake offense against the San Diego defense. Uh, what do you think of that matchup? Salt Lake, I actually think both these teams are like coming on. Yes, it's a horrible, like we talked about earlier, like quarterback injuries are just 
really hard in this one. And yes, Berkovici, like he started, but then he didn't. And then he like, and they were looking better. And then like Mike Martin sells a, a, a notably confusing offense for ever. Like that's his thing. So they're starting to catch on. So that leads me to believe that, you know, this is going to be trickier. I think Salt Lake does get the win. Salt Lake's been looking great lately. Like they're, they're like coming up, you know, like they obviously did a loss last week to the Apollos, but they looked great. And I think stopping the run is like something they do really well. And also the, the fleet is, you know, their defense is now going up against the best offensive line in the AAF. So that's going to be tricky for them to, you know, kind of overcome as well. All right, Ian, what are your thoughts on the matchup? I think this sets up pretty nice for Salt Lake because I mentioned before, I think San Diego has the best pass rush, but the one thing Josh Woodrum has consistently done good this year is get the ball out of his hand quickly. I mean, he has easily the quickest average release time. And I mean, we've seen the Mornay Pearson now work out of the slot and just continuously kind of get fed these short crossing routes. And, you know, it hasn't produced the most big plays, but it's also been pretty much uh, turnover free and it's been an efficient offense, especially when paired with their running game. So I think they do have the tools to uh, move the ball on the San Diego defense. I guess my kind of question here that I'm trying to figure out is, one, what the committee will look like without Oliver. Because I think Terrell Newby could actually be the fantasy guy we want, considering he's more of the pass catcher. And two, who the number one receiver is, because it looks like it's Pearson now, but he's also been stuck to the slot. And we've seen Kenny Bell and Kalen Clay come back in these last two weeks and uh, really be more of a factor than we saw before so Cynthia I'm curious uh if you had to pick some like fancy factors from the Salt Lake offense uh who you're looking at I like Clay I think I mean again I I'm not always going like the most like volume guy because the Nebraska guy Pearsonell he's he's been their go-to guy for volume but I think that sets up nicely for Clay I think he's been coming on strong in the past few weeks and again it's not a good defense to target when it comes to passing but not necessarily because of like their O line is it's the biggest and they have played the best in terms of giving some time. And I think, I think it does set up, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I, I also think that, you know, Salt Lake wins by a considerable amount, maybe like three or four points, not necessarily just one. So I think it, it sets up nicely for, you know, some passing don't overestimate their passing. That's not the way it's going to be just that they're just, that's not their, that's not their profile. And then I think you got to look at the running back situation is tricky for me. Because I, I think like it started off Buonio and then, you know, you got like, then you got Oliver and then you like, for fantasy purposes, you want a guy who catches the ball, but like now we're going back Buonio, like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? So the, it's, it's tricky, but I would go with the, the safer pick in that situation. But again, the volume play might be Buonio. All right, Cynthia, what about San Diego offense versus the Salt Lake defense? San Diego offense. So always Mike Martz is always going to try to pass the hell out of the ball. In their preseason game, Berkovici had, I want to say, four turnovers. It could have been five. And they passed, they kept passing their way to win that. It was a preseason game, but essentially the same as a regular game, right? Like, so they kept, you know, they had a bunch of turnovers. Like, do not, like, stay away from Berkovici. I'm not suggesting you play him in fantasy, but you could look to target. As a, as a pure upside situation, um, you could look to target. Like even Gavin Escobar is one that flags for me, the tight end. So, yeah, I just think Gavin Escobar could be a good pickup, for, especially for your tight end position, just because I think him and Berkovici had a good chemistry prior to Berkovici getting replaced earlier on the season. Yeah, it's amazing how much Mike Marsh is getting those tight ends involved. And we saw Marcus Ball have a really good game last week as well. Well, they're um, taller than all their wide receivers. So then, all of their tight yeah. ends, there's no, none of their wide receivers are taller than their tight ends. Their tight ends are like an inch or two taller than every single one of their receivers, which is a very Mike March thing to do. 
for sure. I think it's also kudos to Mike Mars for, you know, using the talent at his disposal. I mean, we saw Escobar with the Cowboys. He was kind of more of the slot tight end while Witten was in line. Then Marcus Ball with Ohio State did a few things like that as well. So one part I want to look at, I know, you know, Mike Mars is always going to pass the ball, like he said, but this run game was one of the few backfields we had a grip on. I mean, yeah. Gardner is looking like the best running back in the league. That didn't have a good last week, but Terrell Watson definitely, uh, you know, being a physical ground and pounder as well. But here's the problem. Bishop Sankey, our old friend, is coming back from IR this week, and now he's getting thrown to this mess. So do you think uh, Gardner and Watson are still going to kind of be the two guys, or is Sankey going to have a pretty immediate role? I think it's Gardner. Like, I, I, think, I don't think he's going to put a dent in Gardner's reps. I think it'll, if anything, it will be other people. Like, it's Gardner, and then maybe we could, like, rotate other people. That's okay. kind of how I – that's what I would imagine. Yeah. Like, I think he trusts Jaquan Gardner the most. Yeah, logically, all of that makes sense uh, because of what Gardner has done. And then I think Watson is also uh, a, a kind of undervalued guy. Uh, but I am a Bishop Sankey truther uh, oh, going back sure. What's not? Like a, yeah. a half decade. So I'm just going to uh, be the lone person on this bandwagon thinking that at some point he's going to have one game that's really good. And then I can take my victory lap at that point and then Perfect. just off of the bandwagon forever. Perfect. <laughs> so Cynthia, you said you, uh, you like Salt Lake for this game. Ian, what are your thoughts? I lean towards San Diego here. I think uh, Berkovici is entering a much better situation. They have started to run the ball a little bit more since, uh, I think, week two, week three. That was with Philip Nelson. So maybe Mike Mars just goes back to chucking the ball around because he, he did so in the preseason, like Cynthia said, and also week one when uh, you know they were running the ball well but still just kind of refused to do it. But I think San Diego defense, especially getting Demontre Moore back, uh, will be enough to hold off Salt Lake. And you know, getting points at home, uh, I'll take San Diego. All right, so on Sunday, we have two games. The first one, Memphis Express at the Atlanta Legends, which is probably the least inspiring game of the weekend. We have the Memphis uh, right now projected to win by about a point, and uh, another low-scoring game. We're thinking uh, around 38.5 combined points. Ian, any injury news and notes? Well, I will correct you. This would have been the worst game of the weekend two weeks ago, but now we got some good quarterbacks playing. We got Zach Mettenberger, Aaron Murray, SEC season, baby. Yeah, That's my, my mistake. They're <laughs> now wonderful teams uh, because they have two quarterbacks. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're forgiven. Okay. Uh, so with quick injury notes, Atlanta, uh, their scat back, Akram Wadley, who we saw have a bunch of receptions last few weeks. He hit the IR with a knee injury. So one less guy to worry about there. And Lawrence Pittman, their kind of fourth RB, has an ankle injury, and he's looking iffy as well. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, we do have confirmation, if there's any doubt, that Aaron Murray will be the starting quarterback over Matt Sims. So that's good to know. And then for Memphis, they signed a running back, Daryl Verges. I'm not exactly – maybe they're not happy with Stacy. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but something to keep an eye on. And they waived their wide receiver, Fabian Guerrero. Apologies. I know he was kind of, you know, a season-long darling in the uh, before the season got going when we had no idea what the depth charts would be. So that sucks for anyone that got him. But the good news is the Mettenberger era is still alive and well. If you guys can't tell, I'm all in on Memphis now. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Memphis Mettenberger era uh, has been going strong for, what is it, like uh, a game? A game and, and a, a half. Quarter? Yeah. A game and a half. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh, long live Mettenberger. Uh, Cynthia, any thoughts on what we're going to see out of this Memphis offense going against the Atlanta defense? Had I made it clear that I really like Sherman Beatty, especially since I talked about him like all like in all of the games, because he's he's the guy who I think this is I think this is the time we get like I told you, I would go anything over, even over the most, you know, the iron who have the most stable running back in terms of fantasy, 
I think this is the Sherman Beatty week. Like Sherman Beatty, Sherman Beatty. One more time, Sherman Beatty. Like I, I'm, I'm in. The coaches told me they liked him. I think this is him giving his, getting his chance in this matchup, especially against the legend. All right, Ian, what do you think here? Yeah, I think Cynthia might be on to something. I mean, Zach Stacy's been the guy there. He played 65% of snaps last week, but we've had two straight games where it really hasn't gotten anything going on the ground, and they need some type of spark. So, yeah, I could definitely see them making a change there sooner rather than later. I'm trying to figure out these wide receivers a little bit too, though. I mean, the whole kind of offense is a bit muddled uh, with the quarterback switch and all that. Last week we had Reese Horn, Alton Pig Howard, great nickname, and Dantes right. Bird in the three wide receiver sets. Cynthia, kind of wondering who your preference is there, maybe from a fantasy perspective. I think Reese Horn's kind of de facto number one, but he might not be like the most explosive guy. Yeah, I mean, volume-wise, I think that's the the pick, but like. I, I don't know. I think I like the pig guy. <laughs> He's an interesting one. So the legend, their defense can be targeted on the perimeter. So whomever you think you are going to get that advantage on the perimeter with, like that's who you should be going for. So for me, it's hard because the routes that they've run have been a, a lot of different ones. It's very singletary, right? Like it's like, well, you're going to do a post, you're going to do a go. Like then now you're going to do the post. Like it's, it's just very like normal. So I don't know that that one's like buyer beware, but whoever you think is going to be the perimeter guy, that's the one that you should have your theory on. All right. Uh, Cynthia, what about the Atlanta offense against the Memphis defense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to get. Like, let, yeah. like uh, let me be completely clear. Like that could be a, a benefit in the sense of it. You can't really game plan for it, but if you're talking about like pure like fantasy strategy, it's a very risky strategy, right? Like if you think you know something, sure, great, go ahead. But it's, you know, it's very risky. So here's the behind the scenes. Atlanta's had one, two. So remember Michael Vick left, Childress left. They've had like five or six different people with their hands in this offense and it's been four weeks. So it's kind of chaotic, right? And so that's not... It's like when you're playing in the NFL and you're trying to, and AJ Green's not playing, and you're trying to figure out like which Cincinnati receiver to figure out. Like, good luck, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, so that's the kind of thing to, that's kind of my comp for that. It's been such a mess there all year. I mean, it was even Matt Sims. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't think he'd be good going in the year, but he actually had a really good week three. I think he was kind of in a no win situation. Uh, I mean, Aaron Murray kind of took his job, not, but yeah, I'm with you. It's, in terms of trying to take advantage of this, it's just such a mess everywhere. We had seven wide receivers last week play between 31 and 53% of the snaps. So it's just hard to tell who's going to be out there. And the running back committee has kind of been evolving all year. I think Terry and Folston might be the one guy we could look at. He had seven targets last week, and that might hold up now that we know Wadley's uh, not going to be playing. But, yeah, I think the better uh, answer you need might to just- know. You need to know when you're doing this the return that you're expecting right? Like, sure, go for the guy that got the hardest target, but like highest targets, but you're playing in a situation, what, what return are you expecting from this person? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and anything more than that's upside, right? So I don't know, like, the, this is just the offense, like, why didn't Murray start the beginning of the season? That scares me, right? Like, like, Hackenberg started over Mettenberger because Hackenberg has played on several NFL teams. That one was clear, right? And they were trying to give him another chance. They, they were trying to make it work. But like, Murray you would have thought he would have been the starter. He has the hometown thing too. It made no sense. Right. So that gives me huge pause because you're like, mm, 
the guy with the biggest name, like, cause usually the way that it's worked is that the guy with the biggest names at least started week one. This is now week five. So I don't know. Mess, mess, mess. Ian, any way that you are leaning on this game? Oh yeah. Give me the express. As Cynthia just said, stay away from the mess and uh, stay with the express. Yeah. I Cynthia. think the express are a better team than their record would suggest, right? Like I think they were a little slow to switch their quarterback and I think they were and they're figuring out their offense you know, like, look, Singletary is ground and pound. Like, he's the best looking in, in his starter jacket by far. Nobody looks better in that starter jacket than him. So apart from, you know, like, I think they're kind of, like, making their way with this. But I think they're better than their records. They, they don't feel like they should have the record that they have, you know? Even when they were getting killed in those Hackenberg games, like, it was usually a close game till the fourth quarter. And then, I mean, defense on the field the whole time. Hard to kind of uh, right. curtail yeah. their defense is good, but if they're playing the whole time, like – Think about it. That's 10 more snaps at least on either side than, than you're used to in an NFL game. And it's fast. 35 seconds for the play clock is fast. And the timeout situation is way different. And every, like, it's just a lot more. And you don't get to take special teams off. So there you go. You know, like, it's just a lot on the field. Cynthia, that sounds pretty smart. You are a pretty smart person. Did you read a lot of books in your formative years? Um, so, yeah, I guess. Except I was like, kind of like I'm like a dorky smart but like I'm more like a math person like I'm mm. I'm writing like I have to write an article later today and I'm like sitting here like thinking of 15 reasons to get out of it but you could ask me to code for six hours and I'd be like sure let's go you know like so yeah I read a lot and like I guess I'm smart but like it's it's more like um, I'm functionally smart like I figured out what I needed to do to like get to like what I right. needed to do well uh I have an idea while you are doing things if you're too busy to read you can listen to books on audible Perfect. yeah Perfect. Uh, with audible you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks including bestsellers motivation mysteries thrillers memoirs and more audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet and now with audible originals the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members cynthia do you have a book that is kind of like a childhood favorite or one that is just kind of your favorite right now well, you know what I've been listening to on Audible, actually, is the one about that crazy girl from Theranos that, like, scammed everyone out of all the money. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but now I'm going to want to listen to it. You are. It's incredible. She, like, you know, she, that Theranos company, she became this billionaire. She scammed all of these investors out of all of this money. I have to, th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the name right now because I literally am listening to it on Audible, like, not this moment, but as we're speaking. It's called, hold please, Bad Blood. Bad blood. I just opened my Audible app. I just opened my Audible app and there it was. Bad blood. It's great. Okay. So yeah, listen to that on Audible. Audible <laughs> members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs in case you like to listen while exercising. That's what I do when I pretend to exercise. You can listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever even if you cancel. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling voices, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash action or text action to 500-500 and listen for a change. That is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash action or text action, A-C-T-I-O-N to 500-500. Okay, let's get back 
to the Alliance, the last game for the weekend. The San Antonio Commanders at the Arizona Hotshots. We actually like the Hotshots quite a bit in this game. We are projecting them to win by uh, about seven points, and we have a game total of around 39 and a half as our projection. Ian, any injury news and notes here? Both teams are pretty healthy right now. Arizona, Josh Huff uh, wasn't able to practice Wednesday with a knee injury. I'd have to look back, but I'm pretty sure he's kind of been limited a little bit in practice with that. So I'm not sure if that necessarily means he won't play yet. Uh, But the good news for Arizona was Richard Mullaney, who was starting for them when the season started, returned to a limited practice with a knee injury. And I mentioned this earlier, he is the stone cold uh, minimum 3,000 on fan ball. So if he's able to play, like we expect him to walk back into three wide receiver sets. So that's definitely a value play to keep an eye on. Then for San Antonio, only guy I wasn't able to practice was Cole Hunt, their tight end with a lower leg injury. Obviously not good for them, but for fantasy purposes, not something to worry about too much. Big question, and Cynthia, I'd love to get your take on this. Logan Woodside uh, played every snap last week for the first time this season, and we didn't see any Marquise Williams. I mean, maybe I'm giving Williams too much credit here, but I would love to see what this offense could do with him under center and have a true dual threat versus uh, you know what they've been with Woodside. Do you see them kind of continuing this quarterback rotation or eventually making a change sometime soon? So I thought it was weird because we saw, like, Williams. I thought they would do, like, I thought for sure we'd see Williams on every two-point conversion. I thought for sure. They were doing this weird thing in the third quarter where they, like, do a series with Williams. And, like, whether or not, no matter what the score was, it was very weird. So I haven't seen him be used situationally yet. But last game, it wasn't broke, so they didn't fix it. So I'm not sure if, because they were winning and they were beating the Iron, who's, like, Williams is not the, the deep passer, that threat that you got from Woodside. So I think what you see happen is, I think, better situational usages. I think you see Williams on those two points, and you see him in situations where they need the dual threat. I don't think it's all Woodside all the time. I do think it'll be more rotational. But if someone starts getting hot, like we saw, I don't think they take them out. That's fair. And just wait one more week or so until Johnny Menzel comes and adds a whole nother uh, variable to this situation. Not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. Nope. I would, we, you know, I'll, I'll bake you a cake if Johnny Menzel ends up in the, in the air. All right. I'll take you up on that. Okay. So real quick on San Antonio still, the backfield looked like Trey Williams, you know, really played well week three. Personally, I thought he might kind of take over the backfield last week. Didn't happen. Kenneth Farrell, 30 carries, played almost 80% of the snaps. David Cobb was pretty much phased out, though. I thought that was the kind of big thing to keep an eye on. Do you agree with me here? I think Kenneth Farrow and Trey Williams will have more of a 60-40, 50-50 split moving forward than what we saw last week. I legit think it's by feel. Like, this is the okay. very much by feel team. So I think it's Farrow's to lose. It's Farrow's, like, 70, 60, maybe. But, like, I think that's the way that they go into it. Yeah, and it, there hasn't been much of a reason to take Farrell off the field. I mean, he's so, some of those jukes he's made on fourth and ones have been really so fun good. to watch. <laughs> well, and plus, like that—that that helps them mask where they're really deficient. The Commanders are not good, and their pass defense is really vulnerable. So you've seen the command, like their linebackers are good, but like their pass defense is not so great. So if they can establish the run and keep running, and typically with Farrell, then it really masks their defensive woes. You know, like that—that that pass defense is hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember Charles Johnson getting open whenever he wanted against them. Uh, we'll flip the other side of the ball. Do you, could you see Rashad Ross having a similar type of game as uh, Charles Johnson did against San Antonio? Yes. I think Rashad Ross is like, you, you pay up for him. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're just like, yep, that's my, that's my big ticket item this week, right? Like, I think that's going to be a higher scoring game. I think that 
the shots at hot shots the, or the shot hots either way um the hot shots are going to win this one but i think rashad ross has does his like um interesting end zone dances right and i think we see at least at least one maybe more he's my that's the safest bet for a, a wide receiver if you're playing fantasy yeah good point there god bless rashad ross every time he scores we get like a five second swaggy celebration in the end zone we do. i absolutely we love do. it it's, it's, it's <laughs> super fun we always have them on we always like well rashad ross highlight coming up let's go so <laughs> All right, last thing on uh, Arizona, Jarrell Presley finally really had a big game last week. But I don't know. He's been – it wasn't really that much of a difference in his volume. He's still playing 50 60% of snaps. He's been the guy. It looked like Tim Cook maybe for one week. But it's more or less still been Jarrell Cow season, as we like to say in fantasy. Are you still riding with Presley just as, you know, the lead back and one of the better offenses? I am. I think it's still Presley. I think Presley's the guy. I think Presley will get a look at the NFL. The interesting thing, so when their quarterback got hurt two weeks ago, we saw like, oh my God, it's the end of that. The hot shots, they're so good. And, whatever. and then it was like, he was okay. And he ended up playing the next, whatever. But like you saw, like I talked to it at the top of this podcast. Like when you saw that happen and they all got scared and I was like, well, Jarrell Presley, let's go. And he did step up then, you know, like maybe his yards per carry were like sort of down, but it's a lot easier when they can box him in and figure it out, right? Like you put in a substitute at quarterback and the, the passing threat is diminished, you know, that's just like anywhere else. So I think that's kind of part of the reason of it. They were like, is he, is the quarterback hurt or not what's going on? So I think that's part of why, but I also think like this game though, like if I'm paying for the high price situation, it's not Presley in this one because I do think the commanders have really good linebackers. So their linebackers, they will minimize his help minimize his impact. I do think he's still going to be a very valuable part, but like if I'm going high price in this game, it's, it's going Ross. All right, and Ian, what way are you leaning in this game? Cynthia said that she likes the uh, Arizona Hot Shots and uh, I think a high-scoring game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ian, which way are you leaning? Yeah, I'm with Cynthia here. I like Arizona and agree with the high-scoring uh, potential. I mean, yeah, San Antonio, their secondary really seems to be a liability, and I think uh, this will be only the second team to face them that can really take advantage of that whenever they want. So, yeah, I love Walford, uh, Ross Stacks, and DFS as well. All right, yeah, well, that's Walford's the quarterback I would pick this week. If I'm picking him, it's Walford's my number one, and then Ross. Those yeah. are my those are. And, but that I feel like that's very chalky. But whatever. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into <laughs> a, a little bit of fantasy talk there. So, uh, Cynthia, you said, uh, and let's think. I think chalkiness is fine. Let's think a little bit more for kind of like cash games. Walford, you said, is a quarterback you really like. Ross is someone you're interested in. Any other players who kind of catch your eye from like just more of like a a solid standpoint? People you feel like have a high floor, decent for cash games. Okay, so high floor guys. I mean, look, Trent Richardson, just because of his red zone volume, you're always going to at least consider him in that situation. Again, he's not my favorite because I, I don't like safe. I like not safe. So I think you could potentially look, Buonio could be a nice pick for Salt Lake. He's, it looks like Buongeno or whatever, Buonio. We had a lot of help learning how to say that um, because of the, I think the volume will be there for him. And I also think you want to like, Look for the fleet. I think you're taking Escobar. I think that's a safe tight end pick for this week as well. Okay. And Ian, what about you? Yeah, I was looking at some of these running backs because there's a bunch of price changes uh, compared to last week. So out of the eight starting running backs, four of them saw their salary increase by at least $1,000. So just chasing those price hikes, it really isn't a great way to uh, find the value. So I'm looking at 
Zach Stacy, whose salary only went up by 100. You know, we talked about some Sherman Beattyness, so maybe ease off on him. But Trent Richardson minus 300 dollars from last week. I mean, we think the volume's still going to be there. So she, he was undervalued even last week compared to what his workload is. So I like that. Dearness Johnson minus 500 dollars compared to last week. I mean, Devion Smith had kind of worked out in his favor with the game flow, but Johnson still seems to be the starter there. So we get a discount for that. And then Dearness Johnson, I'm 100%. Yes. Johnson, yes. Yeah, especially at And the last guy was just ridiculous. Jaquan Gardner's price dropped by $1,400. I mean, I think if you pay attention in the snap counts, we already knew him and Watson were in a committee. It was just Gardner had such a huge week three, and now he had a bad week four. So we should get less ownership as well. People, I think, just look at the last week and you know put too much behind that. So the volume should still be there. I'm not. I'm with Cynthia. I don't think Bishop Sankey is going to come in and necessarily steal too many snaps. So not yet. Not yet. That's fair. Come on, people, get on the sank tank. Okay, guaranteed prize pools. Any players, uh, Cynthia, you think might have kind of an undervalued opportunity to uh, have a big performance? Quentin Patton could be an interesting one in Birmingham just because like, he's been injured and whatever they're going to need to figure out their pass defense if they want to win this game. So, or their pass offense, rather, if they want to win this game. So that could be – that's one that's, I, I think, maybe a bit – full disclosure, I'm, I, I'm not allowed to look at that. So I, I'm just saying who I think might – be undervalued in general right so um i think that's a good one um i think that uh if you want to be a bit risky i think you could go this could be the week that you're mettenberger like you're you know like this could be the mettenberger kind of breakout situation it's a good opportunity for him in this one so that's my like you know throw caution to the wind for that one like that one's risky but i think he's kind of an interesting pick as well and i do think that if you want to like get in on something good for like balancing some safe, I think Kenneth Farrow does have a lot of value too. But again, I'm not sure where he falls in the, you know, in the chain of how much you're going to need to give up for him. Yeah. And uh, I'll just say Sherman Beatty also I'm imagining is in that, uh, is in that category. Well, I mean, I've said his name like yeah. 50 times yeah. now, so he better do something because yeah. I'm going hard for yeah. Sherman Beatty. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ian, for GPPs, uh, who's caught your eye? Yeah, a couple guys you can look at so you can spend up for a Kenneth Farrell type person or Rashad Ross. Uh, Richard Mullaney, if he does play, he's at 3K. Uh, keep an eye on him. If Oliver's out, you have uh, Bo Agnon. I don't, I don't have his name right either. But Buonio. 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 Ian, we are now like one of the five people in the world who can pronounce his name right. Correct. All right. Exactly. Welcome yeah. to the club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's uh yeah, he's definitely a better bet for volume. I'd lean towards him for cash games, but Terrell Newby at only 3.3k. I mean, that's he's gonna let you get up to a Rashad Ross type guy. And then uh finally, a couple wide receivers I found that seem to be in starting sets but are still pretty cheap. Uh definitely goes along with the Mettenberger call, but uh Dantes Bird, Pig Howard. Uh, for Birmingham, LaDainian, Washington, and we got Brian Brown. And finally, the Mornay Pearson. Now, all these people played at least 70% of their snaps last week, and they're all coming in at 5K or less. So good guys to fill out the lineup again so we can get up and get more of the guaranteed volume at wide receiver and running back. All right, Cynthia, what are you uh, working on right now for NFL Network? <sighs> I got an article coming out. I got to write it. Oh, my gosh, it's very nervous. Um, about wide receivers, and then we have free agency frenzy all week. So I'll fly back from – alliance and then we do right into free agency and we'll figure out where everyone's going i want to hear your early call on antonio brown curious where you think he's going and then we'll go right into um, path to the draft so profiling all of these these rookies or soon to be rookies and the combine was awesome so it was good it was really good 
Yeah. Uh, I have no opinion on where Antonio Brown is going. It was enough for me to say last year that I thought he was falling off a cliff. I think I've said basically everything I need to say about Antonio Brown. Let's get a uh, but, prediction. Come on. Go on a limb. But really, I have, I have no idea. I have no absolutely idea. no idea. There's so much noise out there that it just – it seems like it could really be almost any team. I don't know. I mean, Ian or Cynthia, just to turn this back on here, I mean, do you have any sort of lean on – like anything you've heard, where he really might be going. I mean, you like you hear like five, seven different names of teams out there. Well, I know. So, I mean, it's more like process of, of elimination. Like, I do know where he's not going. Like, yeah. I have I have more of a handle on that than than yeah. I do on where he's going. Like, but I think, like honestly, the one that makes the most sense to me is the Raiders because of they need to make a splash. They have a bunch of money. It just that's the one logically for me. It's not a inside. It's not. I'm not reporting right. this. It's not whatever. Yeah. You know. It's like. That's the one where, if I were guessing, that's where I would guess. Yeah, and they have the um, they have the draft capital to make the trade if they actually are willing to give up a, a first rounder. Which well, is like some of the people with the draft capital do it. They couldn't pay him once he got there, right? Like that's the other like yeah. that's the other problem, right? Like you could maybe have a high draft pick, but you need to actually be able to like move over your like you know to be able to afford him, whether or not you know you can get the you know the first round pick or whatever for him. So. Yeah. Uh, Ian, any thoughts from you on where he might be going? Uh, I want to say San Francisco, but I'd have to look at their salary cap. I mean, I think that that might be one of those situations where I'm just imagining him with Jimmy G, George Kittle down the middle, Marquise Goodwin clearing out some space. It sounds so good in my mind, but I'm not sure if it's realistic. Gun to my head, how about this? He stays in Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of people are are hot on that. Like a lot of people are on that. They have so much dead space getting rid of him. So it's like yeah. the dead cap numbers, like insane, right? Like they only, he only counts 1 million. Like they only save 1 million getting rid of him because like, he's got so much dead cap. Like de- it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, oh, I, look, I, I'm not anti. I just think it's, I think it'd be weird. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we made up. We're good. No problem. Let's yeah. go. For no, sure. it's, uh, it, I mean, it is weird for a team that is ostensibly still in uh, compete now mode, still in a Super Bowl window, to trade away a guy of his caliber for basically no reason. Like the reason of getting him off the team where you're just hoping it's addition by subtraction and where you're still eating that much of his salary. It just it, it seems almost unfathomable to where like I think there is a underappreciated chance that he actually just does end up staying with the Steelers. And actually, while we're talking about this, uh, Roto World has just reported that Steelers were giving teams a Friday deadline for the Antonio Brown trade, which that just might be posturing. But yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Ian, our week five AAF rankings are on the site. What other Alliance content do you have planned this week? Ultimate guide will be out later this afternoon along with our fanball DFS guide. Uh, check those out. I'll update the ultimate guide up until Saturday with the latest injuries and all that stuff. Always kind of a pain to find these injury reports during the week, but we can usually get a pretty good grasp on it by Friday. So keep an eye out for those people. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL podcast. Please rate interview the show on iTunes. Thank you to Cynthia for uh, being on the show. You can follow her on Twitter at C Freeland. You can follow Ian in the Action Network app at iHeart. It's also use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. For Cynthia and Ian, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. See you again next episode. 